Thank you for joining us for part one of When You're Really Good at Making Bad Decisions. Decision making is one of the most important jobs that you will ever make. Now, let's see what Bill has to say about this topic. With this title a while back, um, when I was talking to someone and, and in the conversation, they were telling me the decisions they made. And when they finished up their decisions, they are, are telling the conversation, they said, I just don't know what's wrong. What, what is my problem? And um, I just said it this way, and it sounded good and rememberable. I said, you are really good at making bad decisions. Uh, everything they told me was bad decisions, bad decisions. So they were good at making bad decisions. And she said, I've never heard that before. I said, I've never said that before. But I, I, I just noticed it. And then I thought about how many of us do that? And when the title first came out, one of my friends texted and said, are you using me for an example? And if not, he said, I'll be glad to tell some of mine. And um, we all have kind of done that, okay? I haven't always made the best decisions. I've, I hope this, that if you make a bad decision, that you learn from it. Because if you learn from it, then what happens is, is you won't make it again. But the people that just keep making the same bad decision over and over never learn from it. There's an old saying, if you fall down, pick up something while you're down there. And, and so it, when you go through that experience, that's what you'll do. So I want to take today some uh, lessons. I, always, I use biblical characters and then uh, come back and teach a lesson that I learned from them. So we're going to talk about that today, but I want you to continue to eat because uh, I, I, I want you to not be malnourished when you come. And also there's, I think there's dessert as well. And so let's enjoy ourselves. You don't bother me or anybody around your table at all if you're eating and drinking while we speak, okay? All right, here's what I know. Decision-making is one of the most important jobs we'll all ever make. Um, as a leader particularly, you have to make decisions. And um, it's also the one area that causes a lot of people their most problems. It's difficult to accept that you'll rarely have 100% of the information when you make a right choice. You rarely will. Uh, it's almost like in life, making decisions is kind of like stepping onto a moving train. Uh, if it'll go slow enough, you can get on, and that's about you know, 80% of the information you need. If you wait for 100%, for everything to be perfect before you make a decision, you'll probably miss the boat. And so when you know this is enough that I need to know and it's the most important areas, that's how we do it. We understand this. We call it many times the valley of decision, but the valley of decisions for wrong decisions can be the valley of death. Um, it's, uh, I've made my share of them. I've mentioned we learn from them. Uh, and and it's, uh, the, the goal is to figure out what I've learned. I have a friend who, bless her heart, she's had a lot of uh, marriages, and um, she's not nearly where my, where my other friend, you, you know one, but uh, I got one that's, that's had seven marriages, and she's still young. And so she keeps saying, I got to figure this out. And I'm, yeah, it wouldn't hurt. Now, the, the record that I know personally had 13, and we know, isn't that right, 13, but but he won't claim but, but 12. He, he won't claim one of them as a marriage. And, and I've said, you're really good at getting a date. You're good at getting them down the aisle. You're good at meeting people. You just can't keep them. And so we, we go through those things with decisions. They're, they're big things, life decisions. But have you ever noticed somebody that just keeps attracting the same kind of person? They'll get in a relationship, and it, it it's, turns out bad and messy and toxic, and they get out of it. And they get right back in another one with the same spirits. All it is is change names and faces. 
Uh, we find that in a lot of things. So the, the interesting thing is, is, is if we can go inside and say, how do I make my decisions? What is it that helps me? And so I want to reflect on some biblical uh, decisions and uh, characters here and how they did it. Okay, I'll give you the names of people you may recognize. We'll just point out real quickly what their bad decision was. And then I'll come back and teach you some principles of how to make decisions. And something I formed many years ago, probably 35 years ago, I sat down and said, if I'm going to go through life making decisions, I need to figure out a guideline. So I spent probably about, I'd guess, seven or eight months figuring out for the rest of my life What's going to be the guide for making decisions? And I've just made in my own life three major decisions that are huge. But in every one of those, I use that guide. And there's a peace even when you're stepping into the unknown. So let me give you the first one, okay? Genesis chapter 3, Eve, obviously the first lady of the Bible, she made a bad decision when she was tempted. You remember the forbidden fruit was there. But they're also said about her that it looked good to the eyes it promised to make her wise, it strokes the ego, and it appealed to the flesh. So when Eve looked at all that, was told all that promise, Eve thought, wow, I mean, if I, I know I've been told that we are forbidden from taking this fruit, but you see all the benefits I get if I do it, and the temptation was just overwhelming for her. And by the way, temptation is a reason a lot of people make bad decisions. It can be a little one. I, I made a little one the other day that was a bad one. That's why I say don't make good ones. I, uh, I, my blood sugar dropped real low, and I was having to be somewhere else. And when it dropped, I said, I got to get something to eat. And probably the worst place I could have ever eaten, I won't say it, but I pulled in. And, and, and I knew every, there wasn't any other restaurant anywhere within miles, but I, I knew everything I was ordering. As soon as I started ordering, I think, hey, you don't need that. Your doctor would kill you for that. And I went ahead and got it, ate fast to get down to where I was going. Have you ever done something like that, rushed to eat in a hurry, and 10 minutes later you're saying, why did I do that? Oh, gosh, it was the worst. Now, you can get over those kind of decisions, but we make them impulsively. But there's some people that make big decisions very quick. I knew a man one time that his wife said to him, you, uh, you've never bought me anything I can brag about to my friends on my birthday. And she was just nagging him so hard. And so he went out and bought, went to the Mercedes place and got the highest priced Mercedes and bought it for her. And later he couldn't even afford it. There was all kind of issues. And I said, what, what were you thinking? He said, I don't know. I was just so mad. I just said, I'll buy you the best things. So he goes to the Ben's place. Well, the only person that won out of that when it was over was the car salesman. And the wife ultimately caused more conflict, more problems, and all the rest, but impulsively just jumped off and did something foolish. Uh, here's what happens when you, when you do that. We trade what we want now for what we want most. There's some things in our life I want most, but I can't, I can't be tempted to trade that for this, it's the discipline, it's the staying in there. So Eve made a bad decision when she was tempted. In Genesis 12, Abraham made a bad decision because he was afraid. Abraham was going to a land and he was taking his wife with him and his wife was, was pretty. And as they were going, they met the king and the ruler there. And Abraham thought, now I know this man, he's very ruthless. I've known of his reputation. If he finds out that my wife is my wife, he will kill me and take her for himself. So Abraham thought and said to her, we will tell him that you are my sister. And in case he takes you for himself, then, um, you know, uh, you have my permission because I want to live. And so his fear put him in that position and he made that 
Fortunately, about the time that the king came along and took his wife and, and, uh, and was close to uh, crossing the line, someone let him know, I think it was God let him know, that's the man's wife. He's lied to you. And you remember that this story, he came running back out and said, you take your wife and all the rest, you liar, and get out of my country. And, and uh, he said, you almost got me under the judgment of God. But Abraham was making his decision all based on fear. He was trying to play it safe. He wanted to survive. His decision was, I can't do that. And by the way, politicians are real good at this. Keep your eyes open. I know many politicians who are friends, and they will tell you, this is the right decision, and it's the best for the country. But if I make that decision, it will put me at outs with all of these friends I have to work with. And I don't want to come to work every day and have to have the pressure of them saying, you're not standing with us and supporting us. And yet I have the voters out here, the people I represent. And what I find is they're making their decision basically again out of just fear. They're doing like Abraham. They're saying, I want to be accepted by my crowd. I don't want the, the, uh, the conflict it may cause. And as a result, the ones that are suffering are the very people that trusted them. And so it's a real issue making decisions and learning how to do it in a way where you say, I am, I'm not going to play it safe. I'm not going to make soft decisions or agreeable decisions. I want to learn to make right decisions regardless. In Numbers 13, there was another bad decision made. This was by the Israelites. They did the same thing. They, they chose to die in the wilderness rather than live by faith. When they were told you can go in the promised land, they said, no, we can't. It's too big. They'd already been given the promise. They said, no, there's giants over there. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And again, their fear kept them from making a right decision. Now, on that, here's one, one little thread you'll always see. I believe there's two things you battle with in life at the root that, that kind of cause everything else. One is fear and faith. And the more you lean to fear, the less faith you will have. And the more you lean in faith, the less fear you will have. One always cancels the other. And if you're driven by fear or if you let the noise of the culture and everybody out there tell you the worst, you'll find yourself paranoid. You'll find yourself looking at everybody with suspicious eyes. You'll be divided over the least little thing and every word somebody says could trigger you. And so there are people that live by faith and there are people that live by fear. By the way, the people I know that live by faith live happier, and most of them live longer. And so, because it does something. So, learn that. Now, I'll give you some others real quick. Uh, there was a guy named Korah in the Bible in number 16. He made a decision that we were going to overthrow the boss. We were going we to tell Moses that you are not, you, you know, you don't have authority over us. And his decision was to rebel against authority. And there's a real, uh, a real um, value in learning what authority is for. God set up authority. God set up order. Uh, it, it, you, he didn't just say, okay, everything's not equal, all right? I always said, anything with no head is dead, okay? And anything with two heads is a freak. There is a, there's a lesson that needs to be learned that there are heads. Those of you in the army, you step in. Guess what? There's a certain rank that you notice. Everybody don't just walk in and say, hey, you finished boot camp, Here, you're a general. Here's five stars. Now you work your way up, you learn, you gain, you grow. In all of life, that's the way we go. That's why raising your children, when you're a parent, we raised three kids, they all turned out well. But we decided early on, we don't have kids CEO in our home, okay? It's still my home. I decide if you get lights and a bed and food, I decide that. 
And, and I'm going to help you. And as long as you respect and you work with that, I'm going to teach you how to have character. My wife would tell you, I used to take the lawnmower and I'd be pushing the lawnmower and I'd have three little boys pushing behind me those little plastic lawnmowers with the bubbles in them. And, and you know, I know they wasn't cutting anything and they knew they wasn't cutting anything. I was just getting them practicing that as you grow, guess what? The lead guy's going to hand you that lawnmower and he's going to something else. And you can follow your brothers until the last one one day carries the lawnmower. But we, we grow by that. When you rebel against authority, you put a lid on your life. Your boss may not be the best boss in the world. They may sometimes be a lid on you. Learn from it. Learn what to do, what not. I've had a boss before. I've had a couple of... that I had one that was very threatened by me and jealous of me and mean to me and told me later. He, he came and apologized. But he made my life pretty miserable for those first 30 years. I thought he wanted results and I got him results, but then he got mad because I got results. But I remember that when, when I look back, I say, I wouldn't have learned the wrong way to do things had I not worked under that. And so be cautious. Let me give you the others quick. Joshua 7, there's a guy named Achan. He made a bad decision to covet what wasn't his. He saw something somebody else had. He wanted it. He wanted it so bad. He said, I'm, I don't care. And he made that decision. He put everybody in trouble. In uh, Judges 14, the guy named Samson, you remember him? Samson, the big, strong guy. Samson uh, made a bad decision that was impulsive. Samson had an eye for women. He'd be going one direction. All of a sudden, he'd see a woman, and he said, she looks good to me. That was his famous words throughout, his, uh, throughout the Scripture. And so he would make a bad decision to make an impulsive decision. And when you make impulsive decisions, generally, they're, they're the worst and then there was Jonah. Jonah made a bad decision to run from God. You remember that God told Jonah, go down to Nineveh, tell them that I want, to, I want them to repent and turn to me. Jonah didn't want to do it because he was afraid of the people. So Jonah, the Bible says he ran down to Joppa and he ran down to a ship and then he went down to the bottom of the ship. I remember one day taking a Bible, an older Bible I had, and I just circled that word down because it kept popping up. He went down, down, down. And when you read it, literally it's Jonah went down, down, down. And I got to think, anytime you run from God, you always go down. And, and so... That's the, that's the bad decisions some have made the Bible. What keeps us from making wise decisions? What is it that keeps us from it? I think it's three things. One is we fail to recognize the decision or the need, or we choose to ignore a problem. We, 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 just, we don't recognize I got a problem, or we ignore it. And when we do that, we're not going to make a decision that's going to help. Number two is we fail to get to the root or the source of a problem. Um, You'll learn after a while that sometimes some, decide, some of the, the decisions you make, it's not what you see on the surface that's the real issue. It's something else. I have a friend that uh, just became friends with recently. She's retired. She's a pathologist and very, very smart lady. Uh, went to Oxford and just uh, and in, her, in her 90s. But I mean, this lady can go. Her energy does not stop. So when I got to talk to her about pathology, here's what we learned. They can kind of look at your body and find something. They'll follow the path of that to where the cancer first began because they're trying to get to the root of it. And, um, and, and they, would, they would notice things we wouldn't notice. You'd be talking to them, and all of a sudden they'd just stop you in the middle and reach up and start feeling your throat. And you'd say, I was telling you a story, and they're checking out. They saw something that they were just alarmed by. And, and so what happens is, is they know go to the root. Another reason we make, uh, we, we make uh, unwise decisions is faulty assumptions. Um, there was a whole book written on that about the Vietnam War and how that we lost 52,000 lives because we made a lot of faulty assumptions. We assumed the whole country was united, and they weren't. 
We assumed that we could go over into rice paddies and fight people that some people didn't want us there and some did. And, and there was a lot of things that were taking. And, and the more I read that, I said, it, there was a lot of things that could have happened that, uh, that would have been better for us if we'd have stopped and thought and carefully weighed. But they will say at the end of the conclusion, almost every chapter, it was faulty assumptions. And generally when we make a faulty assumption, you ever assume something about somebody and find that it wasn't true? I was preaching one time, many years, here's how I learned it, hard way. I preached one time at a camp, many years ago, 25 years ago or so. A lady would come in with her husband every day, and they'd walk to the very front, and, and he had the most bitter, distorted, angry look on his face like he did not want to be there. And they were always late, they came in late, and I mean, there are a whole thousand of people there, and here came the couple, and the lady seemed very sweet, but they would come in there and sit right by the front. And that first day, I remember thinking, I can't look at him because he looks like he despises every word I say. He looks like he wishes that he had a, a, a gun to shoot at me or something. So I'm looking over him because he wasn't easy to communicate with. And, and I'm just kind of thinking, oh, no. The second night when they came in, I said, oh, here, okay, take a breath. Encourage, love, but don't be distracted. Then the wife approaches me after the meeting and she says, I want to tell you something. My husband is terminal with cancer. He's only got a few months to live. You don't know this, but you're his favorite speaker. She said, we came over here and we got in this place and it, it takes him an hour and a half to two hours every day for me to get him dressed. To bring him over here because I want to go here, Bill. And, uh, and I realized that that distortion and that anger and all that, that wasn't his heart. That was, that was his pain, that was his face, that was his, his illness. And boy, you talk about humbling me and breaking me and changing me. That was the day, about 35 years ago, I said, I don't care what they look like on their face, I can't see their heart. And, and I, I'm grateful that that happened, though it's painful to this day. But it made me realize that issue. You can't judge that book by the cover, okay? Be very careful about making assumptions when you don't know the facts. Everybody has a story. Everybody. And when you learn their story, sometimes you'll go, whoa, I never would have guessed. I never would have known. And so that's one reason I think we make bad decisions. We just make faulty assumptions. Wow, what great insight we learned from Bill in part one. Remember, Eve made a bad decision when she was tempted, eating the forbidden fruit. Here is what's likely to happen when we make impulsive decisions. We trade what we want now for what we want most. Please join us next time for part two of When You're Really Good at Making Bad Decisions. To hear more lessons from Bill, be sure to check us out at bpleadership.com or the BP Leadership Podcast. This is where real leaders are made.